0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back for episode six of Self-Signed Artist. Today's going to be a little bit different, a little bit of a different format than our previous episodes. In last week's episode, we came up with the idea to do an episode to give you a bunch of ideas for ways to make money from your music. So that's kind of the plan for today. Uh, Last time we were talking about how a lot of artists have all this extra music kind of sitting around on their hard drives. And that that just got us thinking a little bit about ways to put that to use and to actually put it towards your business and advancing your business. So not all of our ideas today are going to be about that specifically, but this is just going to be a full-on brainstorm of creative income stream ideas for artists. So... Before we get started, I'll, I'll lay out the ground rules. Is that cool with you, Jake?
1: Yes, sir. Hit <laughs> on me.
0: All right, so we're gonna go one for one on ideas, just kind of throw out an idea, then we'll discuss it a little bit, and then the other person will throw out an idea, and we'll kind of go back and forth. And the only ground rule is that no idea is too dumb for this episode. Like, if you, if you come up with an idea, say it, because somebody might be able to put it to use Out there so really i mean the only rule is that there are no rules right so let's get weird and give some out of the box ideas and i'm hoping for some kind of out there stuff that people might not have actually thought of before so we do have a little list of idea seeds that we can kind of pull from and we're just going to kind of see where this goes so hopefully all you artists out there can get something out of this that you can implement in your own business.
1: You're listening to self-signed artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix.
0: So we want to get you thinking creatively, And from what I've seen, so, so many artists are so creative when it comes to their music and their art, but when it comes to actually trying to turn that into a business, when they go to monetize their art, they end up just doing exactly what everybody else is doing out there. And I don't know if you've seen something similar, uh, Jake, but this is kind of one of the things that that got me going uh, in trying to come up with this podcast. Like as a mixing engineer, watching from the outside, it is so, so frustrating to me sometimes. I see so many people who have so much potential and they end up just kind of eventually giving up and going back to their day job because they couldn't figure out a way to actually make any real money through their music. Is that, I mean, have you seen... That type of stuff happen.
1: Yeah, all the time. It's it's unless you're really, really thinking and you brainstorm, it's it's tough. At least for me and and most of my friends, it's real tough to find a way to make money from it.
0: Yeah. I think this is this goes for kind of any creative field. But if you just do what everybody else is doing, you kind of get drowned out by the rest of the market. It's a competitive market music, obviously. There are a lot of people that want to do it for good reason because it's a I mean, it's a fun thing. It's a great way to make a living. So I think the goal for this episode is to just kind of get your juices flowing in your brain so that you can come up with ways to either put a twist on an existing market that's already out there or to even just create a brand new market where you're going to be the poster child for that form of business in music, if that makes sense. So so in other words, we're just trying to help you find the gaps in the market that you can fill. And maybe that will be one of the ideas that we throw out today, or maybe you'll just be inspired by something stupid that we say in this episode, and you'll come up with an idea for yourself. But that's our goal for today. So first, before we actually get started with these ideas, I do want to go over what the things are that artists normally reach for by default. So I said, most artists kind of all do the same thing when they're trying to monetize their music. They're just kind of standard go-tos of the independent music business. And I think there are really three that people kind of reach for Jake. What do you think one of them would be?
1: I'll take shows for 500.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Shows. That's a huge one. And whether that's hosting your own shows or hopping on other people's shows where you get a piece of the pie, a piece of the, the money made at the show. Those are a couple ways that people kind of reach for. And a lot of artists are even playing all their shows for free, which I think is really interesting. Like they're not actually making money from the show itself. They'll actually play the show with the goal of having that show bring money to them in some other way whether that's getting them more fans who are going to stream their music or whether they're trying to sell merch at a show so it's kind of an interesting shows are kind of an interesting to, thing to, to me and i think that's something that we should talk about that should get its own episode at some point because that is a way that you can make money as an artist and that's a way that's the number one way that a lot of artists do make money i think ultimately but there's some kind of tricky things to navigate there. Another one, actually, the other two that I could think of are really the two things that I just mentioned in relation to shows. So the other would be streaming revenue or, or sales. For a lot of artists, streaming is getting better as a way to make money. Like there's there are, there are things that are going on in the music industry that are making it so that there's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel for for a long time this really wasn't a viable way for anybody to make any money and it's still kind of in that realm smaller artists have a hard time turning this into a reliable money generator um, and it's really the the bigger artists who right now are finding ways to make it work but I think ultimately streaming is gonna get better but that's still a number one one of the number one things that people reach for as a way to make money or think that they're gonna make money when they become an artist and start putting out music. And then the last one is merch, which, like I said, often piggybacks off of shows. So actually, just I want to kind of circle back for a second. Jake, you've done you've done more show stuff than I have. I mean, I used to play in bands and stuff and do shows and put on shows, made some money doing that. What do you kind of see, for me it was a little while ago, what do you see nowadays as far as how people are making money off of shows? Did what I said about shows line up with what you see?
1: Yeah, yeah. The 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 shows oftentimes pay less than or equal to the amount of money that the artist is going to make from merch. If they're a decent sized artist, like a local artist, like, I don't know, if you don't have any fans and you go out and play a show, no one's coming to see you, no one's buying your merch, you know what I mean?
0: Right. Yeah, so it's kind of... It, that's kind of interesting, too, that it's sort of like uh, if you're not making money from one, you're probably not making money from the other, right. too,
1: Right. which
0: is a rough situation to be in. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I've always found the merch-show connection to be kind of weird. Like, I heard this in a podcast, another podcast recently. Uh, I think it was the Six Figure Home Studio podcast, which is one that I like a lot, with Brian Hood and Chris Graham. They kind of mentioned how, like... It's pretty interesting that artists use shows so heavily as a way to sell merch. Like that's the thing that they're trying to do at a show. They're trying to get you to buy a shirt. And how it's it's not like you're making money from making a uh, an amazing performance or amazing experience. It's you're just trying to use that amazing experience as a way to get people to buy some, I don't know, tour branded shirt or something like that. So I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing to me. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's just kind of how I see it. So I think, I don't know, I think it would be, wouldn't it be more efficient to find another creative way to make money off of shows and then just sell your merch online or something? Like, I feel like there's got to be some way that you can turn shows into actual money for yourself without having to rely so heavily I'm trying to get somebody to buy a shirt or to buy whatever, a koozie (laughs) or something like that. So maybe we'll think of something in this episode that'll help you do that for yourself. You'll have to stick around through all of our, our brainstorming to find out. So those three things are pretty much it for most artists, I think, which kind of (laughs) sucks in my opinion. So let's get down some ideas and I want to try and keep these to things that would not only be music-related, but also related to your brand in some way as well. So I did say no idea is too dumb, but I don't want to give you a bunch of generic music-related ways to make money like you can find out on the internet. There are, there are lists of of ways that you can make money in music, like you know, work in a music store, or go to your local music store and apply for a job, or sell all your gear, or... I don't know, kind of sell instruments and stuff, buy and sell instruments online. Or, you know, if you if you play guitar, teach guitar lessons. Like those are always, yes, that you can make money and they're music related. But to me, they're not music related in the way that most people are looking to have them be music related, you know? I want these to be both creative and able to boost your brand as well. Because ultimately, that's why you're listening to this podcast. You want to do the musician or artist or band thing as your job, as your main moneymaker, as your career. So as a guideline for these ideas, maybe this is another kind of rule, ground rule for these ideas. I want to have us try and make sure that we can connect them back to the ultimate goal of developing your brand. Does that make sense to you, Jake?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Cool. All right. So Here we go. Let's go back and forth and we'll each throw out an idea and then we'll discuss and continue on. So in in no particular order, idea number one. So this I think is one of the main things I was thinking about last episode when I mentioned creative ways that you might be able to use your extra music that you kind of have sitting on your hard drive. So idea number one, you could submit your music to an online music collection for creators. I don't know exactly what the term for this type of site is, but there are sites that kind of collect music for creators on YouTube or podcasters, sort of subscription based, I guess you could call them royalty free platforms for, for music, for videos, and things like that. So I'll list off a bunch of those in a second. But the reason that I wanted to bring this up is I think this is a, a great, could be a great way to sort of repurpose some of your songs that either never got finished or didn't fit your brand. Uh, maybe it was something outside of the genre that you normally work in and a, a way to actually get those out there and still make money off of them and also get your name out there too. So Jake, do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm talking about for these websites?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard of a few of them.
0: Yeah, so I, there, there are a bunch out there now, and I think there are a bunch more coming around all the time. So just to list off a few of these, there's Epidemic Sound. This is the main one that I use for for YouTube and things like that. It's one of the older ones and one of the bigger libraries. So to me, as somebody who's consuming the content on there, it's a good one. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the best one for you to submit to uh, because it could be competitive. There's a lot of music on there. But there are a bunch of other ones like Musicbed, Artlist, Soundstripe, Pond5. And then there's some smaller, newer ones. I think they're newer. Um, They're newer to me. There's Hook Sounds, Mix Kit, and then Foxy Music and Take Tones. Those are two smaller ones that i I don't know a whole lot about but that, that i came across and just looking these up foxy music is f-o-x-i music that's the only one that you might not be able to s- spell just from hearing the name are any of those things that you'd heard of jake
1: yeah i've heard of music bed i've heard of soundstripe and i think i have a friend that either works for soundstripe or he's gotten a bunch of placements through them Mm. Um, they're
0: one that I've heard treats musicians really really well yeah I don't I'm not connected to them in any way but I've just I've heard that kind of through the grapevine from
1: that's awesome but the other ones I haven't yeah just those two
0: yeah so I, I mean the fact that there are so many of them and so many new ones coming out I think makes it a good opportunity for a lot of people this I mean, this isn't a guaranteed paycheck for you. It's not like you can just go on there, create an account, and then like put up music and start making money off of it. It is sort of like a an application thing, at least in most cases. Uh, the ones that I know about are mostly that. Like the way it kind of works is, as a user of the service, you pay a monthly subscription or a yearly subscription, and that gives you free. Well, free. (laughs) That gives you total access to the whole catalog of music on there. So you can go on if you're making a YouTube video and you need background music for it. You can go on there and with your subscription, you can just download a song and you don't have to pay extra for that. You don't have to pay royalties on it or anything like that. It's just sort of you get access to it through that subscription. One thing that I think is really cool about this and the reason that I thought maybe it would be a good way for people to kind of monetize their back catalog of unfinished music is that a lot of people are using the music on there as background music. So you, if you're submitting something to, to this, you want the music to be good, but it doesn't have to be interesting in the same way that maybe a song that you're going to release out to the public under your name would be. You know what I mean? Like if, if I'm going on there, a lot of the times, actually, this is how I go about this. I'll, I'll go on there, I'll look for music in a certain mood, But I kind of don't want it to be too, too exciting or attention grabbing or even change too much over the course of the song because I don't want it to take away from what I'm actually saying in the video that I'm making. You know what I mean? Can you, does that make sense to you, Jake? Like, can you see how that would be something that you'd be able to use your old songs for or unused songs? Oh,
1: yeah, dude. But the, I mean, some of them, because a lot of them are. I mean, they're not the catchiest thing in the world, but they are attention grabbing. They're meant to be attention grabbing, you know, but some of the, there's definitely instrumentals that I have that are that are more laid back and would fit that kind of like our intro music, dude, <laughs> you know? Right. That's like, how
0: we got yeah. our intro song. I asked if you had anything in the back catalog and you're like, you sent me a couple things and we were like, oh yeah,
1: yep. peanuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's <was> called. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, yeah, I have, I have a bunch of things like that. And and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure everyone listening does. So that, I think those are some, some great avenues to go down.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you come up with an idea or something, and it's a cool little riff or a cool little beat or something like that. But it just, like, I don't know, doesn't work in the larger context of a full-on song. So you can make it into a two-minute kind of uh, loop that maybe changes a little bit over the course of the two minutes where it's not just repeating the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really have to go anywhere significant. So that was the first idea. Uh, You can go out there and submit to a bunch of those. So what about you, Jake? Do you have an idea number two?
1: An idea number two. Number two would be offer surprise flash mob style or song gram style performances. So like allow people to pay you to have a show where you show up and perform uh, a custom song or one of your songs for someone's birthday or a special occasion—something nice.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine actually actually has done that to pretty good success. Um, he he, he kind of does it virtually, actually. So there's maybe another avenue for that too. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like he he people pay him to send a short little custom song or something to one of their friends as like a birthday gift or something and he'll write a custom song for that person record it on a video and then send it to them so most of the time I think it would be somebody who's like a fan of him who would be like happy to to see a video pop up of him giving them a custom shout out sort of thing
1: gotcha gotcha yeah and it's a great it's a great songwriting practice too because you got to conform to the to what the client wants
0: for sure yeah if somebody says they want a funny song gotta be able to write a funny song that's right <laughs> good practice i don't know how i would do in that but it'd be good practice for sure i can see there's like a lot of potential for that type of thing and it it may depend on kind of what style you're normally in and stuff like that what types of uh clients you'd be able to take on that but i think i mean that's something that you know even like during quarantine and stuff like that i've seen a lot of artists that we know from the past from like working in the studio and everything some some bigger name artists who are doing that kind of thing online anyways too. Like, you know, they'll, they'll send a little shout out to somebody.
1: Cameo. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Cameo. cameo.
0: I I, I don't know what the, the specifics of cameo are and like who can, if you have to be like verified or something on cameo.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But
0: you even, you don't even have to use cameo. You could, you could set this up as something like through your website Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, or through Patreon or something like that. I don't know.
1: And I guess virtual and paywalls and Patreon brings us pretty pretty close to our next point here.
0: Oh yeah. You could live stream behind a Patreon paywall for your supporters only. So this is I mean I think something that a lot of people have sort of started doing in COVID. So maybe this isn't the most original or creative idea. Um, but I think there's still a lot of opportunity here to be creative and to come up with kind of new ways to, to go about doing this. So the, the pandemic and everything and everybody being at home has kind of advanced this concept. And I think it's advanced enough where it's probably going to stick around even after all the quarantine stuff is over. And, and there is going to be a lasting effect I think on the show industry. So this may be something that sort of sticks around by necessity a little bit, these live stream performances. I think at this point, if you can find a way to give a really engaging live stream performance, you're kind of golden. Uh there's a big opportunity there, I think. It's definitely a tricky thing, and I've seen a lot of live streams that are kind of like kind of lackluster, but really just I think that's because it's a sort of a new a new type of thing. Like people haven't really figured out how to make it as engaging as a true live show where you're kind of in the room with somebody, you can Feel the air moving in the in the room and stuff like that. So I think if there's if there are creative ways that people can figure out to really connect, that could be a really big thing. I mean, I I don't know exactly how you would go about doing that. Maybe you, Jake, I don't know if you have any ideas on that either.
1: Dude, I'm trying to think right now about ways to make a live stream interesting. And it's it's tough because there's no, like you can have production value, but only as far as the camera lens will take it. Because like you can, you can I don't know, I don't know. Like you can't do post-production on a live stream. You know what I mean? So how engaging can true. you make it from just filming a scene standpoint?
0: True, true, true. That's something I didn't think of too. And maybe this maybe this is something that requires a little bit of kind of upfront investment to do Mm -hmm. right. So actually I was recently, I saw, I think it was on Instagram. I saw um, a band that's kind of local to me who did a live stream at a local venue, like a decent size venue. Oh,
1: they did that over here in, in Malta.
0: Yeah. And they had, they actually had like a team of people. Like there was, there were mm-hmm. multiple cameras. It was almost like a sports cast, you yeah, know, where it's yeah, like cutting yeah. between cameras and stuff like that. So maybe if you're going to do this on your own, it requires a little bit of a, well, maybe a lot, of bit of a, an upfront investment, like multiple cameras, recording equipment, or, or at
1: least some thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, know? you could probably get it I don't know, you might be able to get it done with, like, phones and stuff like that, but I don't know. Maybe you would need something a little bit more, and this wouldn't be, like, a, a starter route to making money from live streams, but I think you could you could take this to the the Patreon route. You might need to be really consistent with your streams, like, you could do it every single week without ever missing, so, like, if somebody's supporting you on Patreon, you kind of have to give them that, like, regular content to make it worth their monthly investment in you, you know what I mean? And I think in that case, maybe you could get away with having a little bit more of an informal production, a little less production on it, where it feels a little bit more personal. It's like every week I tune in to so-and-so on on Patreon. Or you could kind of go the one-off performance route behind the paywall, where it's like somebody's buying a concert ticket almost. Mm. And for that, that's where I think you might need to be a little bit more elaborate, where it, it kind of has to be an experience and a, a little bit more of a an amazing experience. Kind of thing you know what i mean
1: yeah because like at that point what am, what am i paying for as a consumer right that i couldn't get from just going and looking at something you posted last week for free
0: exactly and i think that's the big thing too is that right now especially like so many artists are live streaming for free that you really in order to put this behind a paywall and have it be something that people are going to actually give you money for you have to think about why they'd be willing to do that and really give them some value there. I don't know. Maybe this is something that should just be a blanket statement for all of the ideas that we're coming up with here. You have to give some value. Like If you're asking for money for something, that's the thing that you're providing in return. You're providing value to somebody. So if that's a concert over a live stream, maybe that's production value. Or, Maybe that's consistency where somebody knows every week at this time I can tune in to my favorite artist and they know that I'm going to be there and they can interact with me one-on-one. Maybe that's the type of thing that you're paying for instead, like a very personal experience. But you have to figure out some way to give value to the person in order for them to give you money for it. So those are a couple ideas, I think, for ways to do that. And I'm sure there are tons of different ways that we could think of. Cool. So... That's number three. Give us a number four, Jake.
1: Number four, offering remote part writing slash recording services on your instrument.
0: Mm. This is something that's near and dear to me, actually, (laughs) because I've done a fair amount
1: of this. Have you ever done this, Jake? Remote part writing or recording? No, no.
0: Okay, so yeah, I mean, this is something that I've done recently and in the past as a way to make some kind of money on the side. I do this for background vocals mostly. So, somebody will send me a song and ask me to come up with a bunch of vac- background vocals on it. And in my home studio, I'll write a ton of layers of background vocals, a bunch of harmonies, a bunch of doubles, a bunch of little ad lib parts or little like background call and response sort of things, just kind of like lots and lots of stuff uh, that they could choose from. I'll record that and I'll send it back to them all separated into whatever 10 or 20 different background vocal tracks and then they can take those pick and choose what they like and cut out what they don't like and use it in their songs so they'll pay me a kind of upfront fee for that i think that's something you should do jake i feel like you could come up with all kinds of stuff for that maybe you, yeah. you kind of do i'd say maybe you do more of like the production side of it overall
1: yeah right yeah i mean i've uh, now that you're talking about it i've done one one or two times i've done drums like this i've, I've done drums for people just programming, but you know, still still doing some sort of writing. I would really like to to learn more about the remote recording because I think I could I could do well with that. But yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's as a, a thing for artists out there is another thing that might take a little bit of upfront investment, but not too much. Like you really just have to be confident on whatever your instrument is, or whatever your niche is, maybe that's programming drums or something like that, or recording drums. And you just have to be able to create a good quality product out of that. So being pretty confident that you can come up with great background vocal parts and then record them in a way that will work for anybody in any mix. That's kind of like, for me, the threshold where I was like, okay, I can, I can do this and charge money for it. But you could do that with anything. That could be, it could be drums. It could be guitars. Yeah, kind of whatever you can think of that you can offer to somebody. I don't know. Jake, what do you think would be like the the limiting factors to that?
1: Uh, speed is key. You you need to be able to do this with a very short turnaround time.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important when you're offering something as a service like this because this could be something that could kind of make or break somebody's experience at, like, in recording. Like, if they are hiring you to record drums, they probably need them back pretty quickly so that they can record other stuff over it and stuff like that. Is that what you mean? Like, if you're if you're taking two months to record a drum part for a song, that's probably not going to be the best way to monetize this. Yeah. So you do have to be pretty fast at it. Right. I mean, I think this, like we said with, uh, what was it, the last, one of the last points about, like, doing custom songs for people. I think this is another great way to practice the craft of songwriting as well, because you're not even writing on your own song in this case. You're you're taking somebody else's song and trying to contribute to it in a way that makes sense for that song. So it's a really good kind of way to get you out of your normal go-to things that you do in your own music. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like it's also a great way to meet other artists and develop relationships with them. Like who knows? you could you could meet your your writing partner for life doing this, doing that for
0: sure. yeah. yeah, I, I think it's a it can be a really, really good way to develop relationships with other people in your area or doesn't even have to be in your area because like we said, this is a sort of remote recording. Somebody's sending you a song, you're plopping something on it sending it back to them. So you can really kind of you could develop relationships all over the world. One thing I would say with this though that is pretty important I think if you're trying to use this for your own brand and as a way to actually elevate your brand is to make sure that you're getting credit for your work. So don't don't do this as a ghost service even if you're getting paid for it. I mean if you can help it you're you're trying to elevate your brand. So so if you can get listed as a credit on this doesn't have you don't have to be listed as a featured artist or anything like that if they want to do that for you excellent accept that for sure but just as long as you're listed in the credits it can be a way to kind of get your name out there too you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah i think i i previously had not had not thought of that so that's that's fire it's perfect What's up, guys? Uh, So we've tried this before. It didn't work out super well, but we're going to try it again. All right. Uh, So for every subscriber we get, Kobe will add one fluid ounce of water to his fish tank. If it dries up, it dries up, and that's on you. So leave five stars and a review, and let's keep Nemo swimming.
0: All right. So on to the next point, point number five, I think we're on at this point. And that is to put on shows in unique locations. And unique locations is kind of the operative word here. Obviously, this is going to be something that you would do after COVID is done, depending on when you're listening to this. Hopefully, COVID is done uh, by the time you're listening to this in whatever, a week or two from when we record it. But I I think this is kind of a way to make shows a more profitable experience for you as an artist. So earlier when we were introducing what this episode was going to be about today, I was talking about how a lot of artists do shows for free kind of as a way to make money in other ways, like merch or get more fans for streams and stuff like that. And I I feel like there's more opportunity than that. So I think this might be one where you can Kind of capitalize on that. So, if you're putting on a show, make sure that you do something interesting or unique. Like you could try and think outside the box of the regular venues or bars or clubs or whatever in your area or I don't know, people's garages. Like there's all those like go-to places that like everybody has a show every weekend. and they're kind of all they can kind of all blend into one thing where they're the same. And there's, there, there starts to not be a reason anymore for the people in your local area to go to your shows because they've already heard all your music from last week and the week before and the week before that in your friend's garage or whatever or in the bar or club down the street. So you need to think of another reason for them to come out and support you. Does that make sense? Like the saturation of a market? Is that something you've ever thought about, Jake? Like, I don't know how many shows you play or how close you space them together or where you play, where you do shows and stuff like that. But is that something is that something you've ever given thought to? Like whether or not you're saturating your art your audience?
1: Not for myself, but for artists that I work with, for artists that I work with that have a decent following, especially in the local area, I think it's super smart. You know, play those important local shows, but definitely definitely try to not do more than like one a month at most. Yeah. Um, Cuz people are going to start to really get bored of you. But yeah.
0: But then it becomes hard like to make money on shows. If you're only playing a show a month, you either have to go out on like tour or like in surrounding areas, which can be expensive, or you have to play more than a show a month.
1: I I'll, I'll say this though. When I was younger, there was a band called The Nightlife mm-hmm. in my in my area and they were sick. And no matter they played, they played so often, dude. And they they were a metal band, and they were like southern rock. And the 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 the, the, the moshing was like I can't believe I just called it moshing, um, <laughs> um, was nuts. And it wouldn't matter how many times they played, they'd headline and people would stay, and they would just kill it, and people would go nuts every time. So I I think that's because it's like in that genre of music and there was six guys at the peak of their wow. popularity you know they, they're providing an experience you know what i mean i think that's where but i don't i'm saying this because i don't think it's super easy to get that in other genres because with that music it's like you have three guitarists that are all ripping you have a drummer that's solid as all hell a vocalist who's fantastic. You know what I mean? It's just like, they were great musicians, great guys brought the experience and they, they could, they could have a crowd out every, every week if they wanted to.
0: Yeah. I think in that case though, like the, the type of music, the, whether it's the genre or just like the, the, the overall vibe of that kind of show Mm. is about quite a bit more than music. Yeah. I think Yeah, like you're going to a metal show to kind of like, let loose a little bit and go a little Mm -hmm. nuts. (laughs) Like, you know, like that's part of the experience there. So maybe that's the key thing to this, this thing. I said, put on shows in unique locations. Maybe for you out there, that's a, that's what you need to do to make this an experience. But maybe that's not the only way to make an experience. Maybe this should just be put on shows that create a unique experience and unique between from show to show is I think the key. If you put on the same quote unquote unique experience every single show that's not really a unique experience and you're going to kind of saturate your market and it'll fizzle out
1: right like if you play a show at Denny's that's cool but if you play a show at Denny's every week eh, right about a <laughs> week 10 that's getting old Denny's shows
0: like yeah like I mean I feel like if I'm trying to think of creative places to do it yeah like there are going to be some novelty locations where if you can get permission to Just put on to a show at a Denny's yeah that could that's something that could draw people because it's funny like (laughs) and it's weird i don't know i the the thing that made me think of this is the other day i can't go to the movies or anything like that in covid so i went to a drive-in movie theater and it was like to me the drive-in movie was so much more fun than going to the regular movies and part of that was just the location like you're outside it's kind of like this different a whole different vibe and it made it a better experience for watching a movie so that's kind of like what made me think of that just changing up a location of something can make something more interesting more engaging and bring more people out there ultimately that makes you more money so that's point number five
1: all right guys we ran into a bit of an issue we have a bunch more points not a bunch more time so we're going to split this up into two parts catch part two next episode me and kobe same time same place